0: Psalm 1 tonight. Psalm 1. Let's hear God's word. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. the way of the righteous but the way of the wicked will perish as far the reading of God's word let's again ask for God's blessing upon it Dear heavenly father we, we again come to you tonight thanking you for this portion of your word which was read and heard read pray that you'll give pastor bob the words to speak tonight as we talk again about the one who is blessed who meditates on your word and loves your law Pray that would be each of us, that we too would be glad to hear your word and study it. So help us too to listen with open hearts and open minds tonight, that the message that we hear would be applied to our lives, and we'd go forth from here to tell others the good news of our Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So as we make our way through the scriptures, uh, dealing with these various trees, uh, we come to the book of Psalms. Many of these psalms, as you and I know, are penned by either Moses uh, or David or the sons of Korah or perhaps Asaph. But they're written, many of them, in in this time period uh, that we're following up on from the time of Exodus until the time, let's say, of the reign of David and Solomon. And so for tonight... uh, We're going to use Psalm 1 as sort of the psalm to cover all of the psalms. Um, But if you listened when uh, we sang Psalm 92, we are like the fruitful tree that was already mentioned in that psalm. When we sing our psalm uh, to close the service after the message from Psalm 96, you're going to hear about those trees again. And uh, certainly we can reflect upon the great and glorious testimony God has given to us in his word. But perhaps the psalm that stands out the most is this one, right? He is like a tree planted by streams of water. Who? The blessed man. So we want to look at three things tonight. First, that blessed man. Secondly, the comparison that is made. And thirdly, the distinction that is mentioned. The blessed man, the comparison that's made, and the distinction that is mentioned. Perhaps it'd be good to define what this word blessed means. If you take the literal Hebrew word, it would translate for us to be happy. But for us, happy is kind of flippant, right? When we use the word happy, it's sort of a surface word. It it lacks depth to it. But that is not the way it is in Hebrew. The Hebrew language uses the word happy to, to speak more of a contentment, to speak more of a, Of a person who is at peace. A person who is at shalom. That's the blessed man. It wasn't just for no reason that in the prayer of our congregation this evening. I I kind of corresponded those two things. That we live in this world. Where there is a lot of hostility, where there is a lot of problems, where there are a lot of difficulties. How does one find blessedness? How does one find peace? How does one find shalom in the midst of that? Well, the psalm tells us. The psalm defines for us what the blessed man is, what that contented, that person at peace is like. And it defines that blessed man by first of all describing what he doesn't do and then describing what he does. So, what doesn't he do? Well, he doesn't walk in the counsels of the wicked, he doesn't live with the advice of the ungodly, he doesn't live his life according to the plans of the wicked, or the schemes of the wicked, or the strategies of the wicked. He doesn't take his advice from ungodly counselors. That's not who he listens to. When one listens and follows the advice and follows the pattern of ungodly UnChristian advice givers, you're never going to find contentment. You're never going to find shalom. You're never going to find peace. You're never going to find happiness. That's always a way that leads to frustration, that leads to separation, that leads to anxiety, That leads to discouragement because when one follows the advice of the ungodly, it leads to sin. The blessed man doesn't walk in the counsels of the wicked, nor does the blessed man stand with sinners. He doesn't align himself. He doesn't take a position with sinners. You and I need to understand this. Particularly in the day and age in which we live. We need to be very careful who we are aligned with today. Today, it's all too easy for Christians on one side or the other to jump on a bandwagon with ungodly people. With sinners. One way or the other. Conservative or liberal. They jump on the bandwagon. Not really fully understanding who it is that they've aligned themselves with. What position are you taking when you align yourself with people who are ungodly? And although you may share political views with another element of society... They may also be the people in the bar cursing, blaspheming the name of Jesus Christ in one ear, out the other. Is that really who you want to align with? Are these really the people you want to dig in the trenches with and say, Yeah, these are my kind of people. Yeah, they wear the red, white, and blue, and they're drunk from Friday night to Monday morning. Is this really who we want to be with? It's very important that we understand this text. The blessed person is the person who doesn't take a stand with those who are sinners. Those who are without God. Those who are without Christ. A right political view does not make a person a right ally. Not according to Psalm 1. Psalm 1 says, that's not the way to blessedness. That's not the way to happiness. That's not the way to shalom. That's not the way to peace. Nor, thirdly, are we to sit. In the seat of scoffers. I know you've probably heard sermons. I myself have preached upon the the walking, the standing, the sitting. Right, Walking, there's still movement. You're not pausing. Standing, you're at least taking a position with. When you sit, you're fully engaged with. And in fact, in, in the Hebrew, the idea here of to sit means to dwell with. To to sit here means to remain for a long period of time. To take up habitation with. In essence, to marry. To sit, to dwell with. One who is a scuffer. One who takes the word of God and says, I don't need to live by that. Who takes Christ and says, I don't need to deal with Christ. I don't need to listen to the word. I don't need to listen to God. I don't need to worship him. I don't need to follow him. I can just live my life and do what I want. That person is as much of a scoffer as are those chief priests at the foot of the cross, come on down. We are not to sit with scoffers if we expect blessing. If we expect shalom, it's not coming. It's not me, it's the word of God. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, who who nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Well, what is the blessed man? The blessed man is the one who delights in the law of the Lord. And law here doesn't mean that Old Testament stuff only. It means the fullness of God's word. It means the law as it was a shadow pointing us to Christ. The law here means the totality of the gospel, the message, the good news. The whole of scriptures. The one who finds delight that it is an absolute joy. It is a treasure dig into the word of God to find joy in the truth. This is what they're searching. This is what they're reading. This is what they're taking delight in. Perhaps we ought to be spending less time on the latest news feeds. And we ought to be taking more time delighting in the gospel. God gave us a whole year of stillness. How would we do? How did we do? How much of that time did we spend delighting in God's Word? Maybe one of the reasons that we're still in so much stillness is because we haven't learned yet. We're still trying to fill our minds with all sorts of stuff rather than delighting. In the word of God. The absolute marvel. The fact that the sovereign Lord of the universe speaks to you. What could be more important than that? What could be of more significance than God talking to you? God communicating See, that's the blessed man. The blessed man is the one who puts priorities in the right place. And who understands the priority that God's word is to have. He delights in it. But he not only delights in it, he meditates upon it day and night. That means to literally get into it. To meditate is not to do the the Hindu and Buddhist thing of the emptying of one's mind that we've been dealing with in our Wednesday night classes. It's the filling of one's mind with truth. We not only read it, we study it. We dig into it. We invest ourselves. Into that word. That's the blessed man. But then God gives us this comparison. And, and you know I, I look back over sermons that I have preached on Psalm 1. And, and I looked up a few others. And, and it seems like everybody spends time on verses 1 and 2. And then everybody forgets about verse 3. And it's probably because I'm doing a series on trees that verse 3 just kind of stands out out of the page, right? Here's the blessed man. What's the blessed man like? He, that blessed man, is like a tree. Now, how is this blessed man, this man at peace, this man in shalom, this man in happiness, how is he like a tree? Well, note the three things that are mentioned about it. One, he is like a tree that is planted by streams of water. You ever notice there's always something to learn? I want you to look at the word planted. He is not like a tree who springs up on the banks of some water source. It doesn't just happen. The tree is a planted tree. I don't want to weary you out with this, but it's important. The Hebrew actually means to be transplanted. It means to be taken from one place and planted in another. Do you see grace? Isn't that exactly what grace is? God taking us out of the kingdom of darkness and planting us in the kingdom of light? Isn't this exactly what election is? That we who were God's enemies are now transplanted. We changed from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. We go from being the enemies of God to being loved by God. That God is the one who is acting. God is the one who transplants us. God is the one who plants the blessed man. It's God's work. Transplanting us. We're not there on our own. We're not there because of who we are or what we have done. But God plants us by streams of water in that climate of Of Israel, that Middle East area, so important, so important to be by a water source because there is so little rainfall, so little. But the streams of water that are mentioned here are actually channels that have been dug. They're irrigation ditches. God plants us. He transplants us. Where? To a place where he has purposely dug a ditch. So that the water comes by us. And gives us life. God provides those means of grace... All of which focuses on Christ, who is the water of life. The blessed man is a planted man. Planted like a tree along channels that God has dug, that God has provided. To nourish us, to strengthen us. To make us what? What's the next line? That yield its fruit in its season. The blessed man is like a tree. Nourished by these streams of grace. That God flows into our lives through Jesus Christ. Daily there comes that stream of grace to us. To give us life. It's no wonder we're blessed. It's no wonder we find shalom. We're not trees that got to go out searching for a water source. We're not trees that somehow have to, yurt, oh, give me some water, please, just some rain. God digs the ditch. The irrigation ditch that flows right by us to give us all that we need so that we bear fruit. Psalm 92, the righteous flourish like a palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. That was Psalm 92. That's what we sang. We are like a tree planted. Planted where? In the house of the Lord. Filled with God's means of grace. Pointing us to Christ. So that what? We are ever fruitful. We're ever bearing fruit. Jesus, John 15, 5. Whoever abides in me will bear fruit. When we're nourished by Christ, the blessed man becomes a productive man. That fruit, fruit of the Spirit, fruit of good works, fruit of a life of testimony, fruit of a witness, fruit that continues to bear, even in its old age. They tell me that fruit trees, as they age, begin to produce less and less and less. Uh, It's not hard to believe, because all you have to do is drive up Fruit Ridge and watch as they take out old fruit trees and plant new ones. Now, there's various reasons for so doing. But one of the reasons is because as they grow older, they produce less. But not the blessed man. You can be 99 years, 360 days. And you still produce fruit. You can be 98 years old and you still produce fruit. Cliff's Bible used to sit on his stand right next to his chair. It was so worn, I wondered sometimes how the thing would ever stay together. Delighted in God's word, he meditated upon God's word. He was a blessed man So that even at 98 years old, he still Never stop producing. It just keeps coming and coming and coming. We never wear out our usefulness here upon the earth. is that an amazing thing? You think about the world and society around us and, and how many people feel useless. How many people feel that there is no purpose in life. How many people, especially over this course of this last year, are just throwing up their hands and saying, what's the use? But the blessed man is the one who even in old age is producing. They're still green. They're still full of sop. Their branches are still strong. And the fruit produces and produces and produces. No discontent, no hopelessness, no despair, no anxieties, no worries. Because they're like a tree planted by streams of water. They yield its fruit in season. And its leaf does not wither. It's stable. It's not blown over by the false teachings. It's not blown over by the events of life. It doesn't wither away over time. It doesn't grow weary of God's word. It doesn't grow weary of Christ. It doesn't grow weary of the gospel. It doesn't wither for a lack, you see, for a lack. life of Christ flows through them. They know God's work. They know God's ways. And they know they are blessed. The blessed man. The comparison made. And then thirdly, the distinction mentioned. Whenever I come to this portion of Psalm 1, I think of Robert Frost, poem, Two Roads Diverged. Two roads diverged in a wood and I. I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. That's what Jesus told us, you know, Matthew chapter 7, 13 and 14. There's a narrow way, and there's a wide way. That narrow way leads to life. It's hard, it's difficult, but it leads to life. The wide way is easy and there's many people on it, but it leads to destruction. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. amazing truth. The Wicked, they're like chaff. In the days in which Psalm 1 is written, you, you took the, the grain and to separate the grain that you wanted from the coating, you'd, you'd willow it, you'd winnow it, you'd toss it into the air. The grain being heavier falls to the ground, whereas the chaff blows a little ways away. I think we often think of that when we hear that as, oh, it's just blown away. It just goes away. No. Okay? It's like sawdust. Right? It's blown away. And pretty soon you cut enough boards, right, Vince? You get a pretty good pile, don't you? Huh? Huh? You get a pretty good pile of that sawdust. You get a pretty good pile of that chaff. What did they do with it? They burned it, for it was good for nothing. What is the psalmist telling us? That the wicked, the wicked who take that wide road, the wicked who who take the easy route, the wicked who find where most people are going, and that's what they find as their way to take. They will not stand in the judgment. Because they're like chaff that the wind drives away. They're going to be condemned. Opposite of Romans 1, right? Romans 8, 1. Therefore there is now no condemnation who are in Jesus Christ. What's the opposite? For those not in Jesus Christ, for the wicked, there is nothing but condemnation. Condemnation that leads to an eternal torment. An eternal fire. An eternal judgment. But listen to verse 6. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. The Lord knows. I want to submit to you three things in regards to that. First of all, that if the Lord knows the way of the righteous, he knows who the righteous are. He knows us. He knows us. He knows you. He knows you, he knows me better than we know ourselves. Because he formed us, he made us, he created us in our mother's womb. But not only did he do that, he caused us to be reborn. And he knows all the reasons why we needed that rebirth. He knows all our sins, knows all our shortcomings, knows all our frailties. He knows how he applied the blood of Jesus Christ to your life and to mine. He knows how we still struggle with sin. He knows how we, with the Apostle Paul, can say I'm still the chief of sinners because we know our own hearts. He knows. But he knows us. He knows us as the righteous because the blood of Jesus Christ has been applied to our account. The righteous robes of Christ are what lie across our shoulders. He knows us. He knows you. Sometimes with perhaps what's going on in the world, we ask the question, does the Lord know? (laughs) Yes, the Lord knows. And the Lord knows you. He knows your heart. He knows you love him. He knows you want to be faithful to him. He knows you want to serve him. He knows you want to be like that tree planted by the riverside. He knows that you want to produce fruit, even in old age. He knows you don't want to wither. He knows that you want to hold on to Christ. He knows. He hasn't forgotten you. We're not like a bunch of folks confined to a nursing home that families have forgotten, that the state forgets, that everybody forgets. We're not like the, that patient who's just continually pressing their nurse's button and nobody comes and nobody comes and nobody comes. He has not forgotten us. He knows us. He knows who we are. And he knows our path. He knows what lies ahead of us. He knows what the next step is. Remember when I prayed a few minutes ago? I prayed about the fact that none of us knows and has a guarantee for tomorrow. We don't. But God does. God absolutely knows for certain your tomorrow. Absolutely. There are no surprises to God. There's no, "Uh, I didn't know that was going to happen. I didn't know you were going to get that report from the doctor. I didn't know that semi was going to run that stop sign. I didn't. There are no of those moments for God. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. What is the way of the righteous? I am the way, the truth, and the life. The way of the righteous is the way of Christ. He is the one. And he is the one who, as the way, has said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. God knows your path. God knows the path that you are on. Because the path that you and I are on is the path of Christ. And on that path of Christ, he never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He is with us always. God knows. And he knows where we're going. He knows where we're headed He knows where the path leads. What does Jesus say in Matthew 7, 13, and 14? It's the path to eternal life. That's the blessed person, you see. The person who has shalom, the person who has peace, the person who is content, the person who is happy is the person who knows where they're going. Because they know, as the blessed person, they're headed to glory. You're like a tree. You and I. We are like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Why? Because it's all of Christ. It's all of Christ. And God's people say, Amen. Father, thank you for your word. For this reminder, this clear reminder of two roads, of two paths. Father, if there is anyone here this evening, whether in the church building or whether watching live stream or going to flip through this later in the week. who is on the wide road, who is on the wrong path, may they hear the call of the gospel. Come. Come. Leave the road. Come to Christ. This is the message. This is the heart of the gospel. That Jesus Christ came to save sinners. Oh, what a glorious hope is ours because of Christ. That road, that one less traveled by, that narrow road makes all the difference. For life now and for life for all of eternity. In Christ's glorious name we pray. God's people again say, Amen.